My goodness gracious, here we go with the Elite Eight upcoming on Saturday and Sunday for the 2019 NCAA Tournament. I am TJ Reeves. It is college basketball coast to coast, and wherever you're hearing us, <sighs> exhale for a second because we get ready for four more games to determine the final four at the different sites from Washington, D.C. to Louisville, Kentucky to Kansas City, Missouri, and then to Anaheim, California. The likes of Duke and Michigan State and Kentucky are still alive, but so too are the likes of Purdue, Texas Tech, and Gonzaga. And and look, don't forget about Virginia and Auburn that still have the puncher's chance as well to get into this thing. We are elated to preview it for you. And whether you found us through Spreaker.com or also our friends at CBBToday.com, thank you for finding us off the link or a link off of social media. Subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to College Basketball Coast to Coast and it will come to you automatically. So let me set out what we are doing here. We are in the preview mode for the Saturday West and South Regional Games. That's Gonzaga, Texas Tech, and Anaheim. That is Virginia and Purdue in Louisville. Then we will preview the Sunday games as well coming up between Auburn and Kentucky and Kansas City in the Midwest Regional. And then that huge showdown, Duke and Michigan State. We now know the East Regional Final, and why do I get the feeling it is going to be knockdown drag out with Duke, Michigan State, in Washington, D.C. for the final spot in the Final Four coming up. I've got special guests joining me uh, here in just a couple of moments. We'll hear from Ari Russell, who was on our uh, on scene covering for us on college basketball coast to coast, the East Regional in D.C., where Michigan State defeated Louisville on Friday night, and also Duke again, finds a way to pull it out against ACC opponent Virginia Tech. Ari with a couple of post-game guests. We'll get to those. Uh, Then later on, Matt Zimmick of CBBToday.com will be here. Great insight from him. I want to talk to him about the Sweet 16 games briefly on Thursday and Friday and then get into the preview mode, into the Xing and Oing of these matchups Saturday and Sunday. And then Mark Wise will be here to close things out. Love Mark's insight as my analyst here as part of our coverage on college basketball coast to coast and tune in for the for better part of about 15 years. Mark has been joining me nationally, Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio, tune in. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about the heart attack specials for Duke and Kentucky. And now we look forward to seeing what's going to happen with these Elite Eight games. He'll preview them. He'll give us some X's and O's with all of that coming up here in a couple of moments. Okay, so it's set. We now know the teams that are playing. We know that for some of them it's been a long time, if never. Teams like Auburn and Texas Tech have not been. It seems like teams like Duke and Kentucky, uh, Michigan State are there every year in the Final Four, practically. Um, And Gonzaga now has become a a recent phenomenon. They're looking to get back there for the second time in three years uh, as well. So diversity all over the landscape of college basketball with the different teams and the different situations. So we're ready to preview that, obviously, here as part of this event in the 2019 Final Four. Let's go back to Friday night. Two wins by Michigan State and by Duke. The Spartans were up first on the floor at the Capital One Arena. They won fairly easily over LSU. I know LSU made a couple of scoring runs uh, early in the second half, late in the game. But really, I mean, they got it down to, I believe, five, but but really never got closer than that. And Michigan State immediately popped them with a couple of three-pointers, and the game was back up to an 11 or 12-point lead. Uh, late in the game with two or three minutes left, they put it away 80-63. to 63. 
a very balanced attack uh, for the Spartans in this one, and especially some veteran players that uh, that really stepped up uh, in this game. One of those was Kenny Goins. Uh, despite the 20 from freshman Anthony Henry, 17 uh, from Cassius Winston, their floor leader who also had eight assists. Kenny Goins, very workmanlike, six points, 11 rebounds, four assists in this matchup. You got to have players that make plays like that. And Ari Russell, again, on the coverage with us here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, spoke with the Michigan State senior about advancing to the Elite Eight off the LSU win. Uh, Kenny, uh, talk about the preparation that you guys going into this this contest, the Sweet 16. It seemed that you really had some advanced scouting that seemed to really be executed at, at a high level. Yeah, our coaches are the best in, in really the country at getting us ready for a game and telling us what they're going to do. And We really just went out there and executed between not turning the ball over and rebounding. Those were our two main points, and I think we did a really good job today. And what about, you know, they talk about Izzo Ball playing a lot of physical. They, they had a, obviously had the, the length advantage over you, but it didn't seem that way because you had a game-high 11 boards. Just talk about the physicality of this game and how you put bodies on everyone. Yeah, I mean, they had a, they had a bunch of different guys that came in and were physical, and uh, we tried to keep the rotation going, but um, we've seen we've seen big teams, we've seen athletic teams before, and we, we weren't surprised by it at all. And like I said, just the way they prepared us, our coaches, um, we knew coming in that that was going to be a war inside the paint. And it seemed as if you, you guys were in the passing lane at all times. Uh, is that obviously the, the the communication. Talk about your communication, especially on the defensive end. It seemed like you guys were all really in rhythm, playing kind of together as as, as five fingers on a hand. Yeah, I think we're real connected right now, just through being through all the adversity that we've had this season and uh, just the last couple of weeks between the Big Ten, finishing out the regular season and tournament, first weekend of the NCAAs. Uh, we all are just flowing and, and really connected right now, no matter who subs into. And how much do you think that the Big Ten play throughout the season, the knock them out, drag them out season, one of the obviously the toughest, one of the toughest conferences, if not the toughest conference? How much did that prepare you for for this Sweet 16? You moving on to the Elite Eight? Yeah, I might be a little biased. I do think it is the <laughs> toughest conference, but. Uh, uh, like I said, we, we've seen a lot of big players, especially in the Big Ten, and a lot of athleticism, so it prepared us definitely for this game perfectly. And um, We were able to switch up uh, what we do usually on defense and, and go back to the coaches just getting us ready to play. And then credit to every single one on the, every single one of the guys on the team for executing it. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on your win tonight. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you, man. Have a good one. And again for Michigan State, back in another Elite Eight, looking to go back to another Final Four. Of course, they have the 2000 National Championship under Tom Izzo. That was his 51st NCAA tournament win in the Sweet 16 win over LSU, whose season ends. And now the turmoil continues about whether Will Wade will be fired as the coach. He likely will. Several of their players probably headed to the NBA early, at least a couple of them. Uh, LSU was was uh, tremendous throughout the SEC season, but they just ran into a very tough Michigan State team. And that led us to the crazy finish of the nightcap game once again by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. Duke pulls it out in a win over Virginia Tech. Uh, no Cam Reddish in this game with an injured knee. Zion Williamson playing fantastic in this matchup to help save uh, Duke here uh, in this battle that they had with Virginia Tech. Uh, how large has he been? How about 23 points, six rebounds, and once again, uh, a block shot, huge one there at the end of the game. Just a force on both ends. Trey Jones also with 22 points in the big three-pointer. This game came down again to the final seconds where Virginia 
Virginia Tech had a chance to tie the game with an inbounds pass, could not. And the end result, as the ball rolls off the rim for a second straight game, is Duke is back in the Elite Eight under Coach K, looking for another Final Four under Coach K, which would be their first one since they won the title in 2015 in Indianapolis. So Duke is there. And uh, again, Alex O'Connell was one of the players that helped step up for Duke. No Cam Reddish. O'Connell started, played 35 minutes, four points, seven rebounds. Ari Russell with him off the win over Virginia Tech and talking about heading to the Elite Eight. And three, two, one. You guys got to need some uh, some ice baths after that battle, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm still young to where I can – like AAU go and play you know three four games a day but you know this was a well-fought hard-fought game so you know we're definitely going to take tomorrow to you know recover and, and, and especially look at Michigan State and what they tend to do in their tendencies but yeah there's probably going to be some ice baths here in the next couple minutes right right yeah. uh kind of a uh, a lot was on your was put on your plate in this particular game just talk about what was going through your head last minute and how you prepared mentally just to come in off the bat like that oh uh, yeah I have actually I have been preparing mentally all day because you know I knew that coach was going to go to me and then it was like I told a lot of people there was probably about 10 minutes left in the game and you know Shire, Zion and RJ came over to me and they were like yo you're starting and I was like all right I'm ready to go I took I took that last eight minutes to just get even more mentally prepared and I've had experience starting I, I started against Virginia Tech earlier this season so you know I wasn't worried or nervous I was I was ready to bring my bring another component to the team and, and help my guys get the win. How disruptive was it on the court with, with Virginia Tech? They seemed to really just, no matter what it was, you couldn't put out the knockout punch. Just talk about how their, what their effort was and what you guys had to yeah. do to persevere. I mean, they played a tremendous game. They, they played extremely hard. You know, they were hitting, they hit a lot of shots in the first half. And, you know, that tip at the last shot, you know, that really could have went, but it just didn't go. And, you know, uh, shouts out to Virginia Tech. They played a really hard game, and, and they played really tremendous tonight. How much fun is it to play with, you know, they got the, the big the big chip players on this one, but just yeah. being a player, how much fun is it playing with Zion and Barrett yeah. and, and Joan? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. You know, they're, they're such tremendous guys on and off the court. So, you know, it, it's really fun playing with these guys, and we're, we're all going to miss them when they when they head to the draft. But, you know, it's, it's been so much fun this year, and hopefully we can play what three more games and, and really finish out the way we need to finish out this season well you got a Sunday you got a Sunday you got a Sunday game and uh, basically prepare for Michigan State so good luck on Sunday thank you Duke and Michigan State will meet up on Sunday and Ari Russell will be there covering it for us on college basketball coast to coast we tip the hat to him for a couple of post-game guests with us here on our podcast as Michigan State and Duke, they seem like they tee it up about every third year or maybe sooner uh, in the NCAA tournament. Here they are again in the Elite Eight. Exactly what we talked about on Selection Sunday night, that that committee sticking Michigan State as the number two team in the same bracket with the top overall seed, Duke, didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And here you go. Two weekends later, they're playing each other in the Elite Eight, not in the Final Four. That'll be the matchup on Sunday in Washington, D.C. in the nation's capital. All right, so there you go with the uh, the different interviews and coming off the Sweet 16. I want to talk a little more about those games, but get more in the preview mode with Matt Zimmick and Mark Wise coming up. A reminder, college basketball coast-to-coast brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. 
Uh, check out the Vivid Seats mobile app for the secondary market for all the tickets, all the great seats, uh, whether it's the, the East Regional in Washington, D.C. with Duke and Michigan State on Sunday or the earlier game, Kentucky and Auburn. With all those Kentucky fans descending on Kansas City, it's going to be tough to get a ticket. Go to Vivid Seats or their mobile app. Uh, likewise for the Saturday night games, if you're hearing us in time for Saturday, whether it's the Honda Center in Anaheim or whether it is the Yum Center in Louisville, Gonzaga, Texas Tech out west, or Virginia and Purdue in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky, go to Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. They've got a great customer service. They've got a 100% guarantee on your sale, on your purchase, or getting your money back if there's a problem. Go to Vivid Seats and use this promo code TJBasketball10. That promo code will allow you to take... Uh, uh, 10% off your order up to $50. The basketball code again is TJBasketball10. 10% off your order if you're a first-time user on Vivid Seats. So again, from D.C. to Louisville to Kansas City to Anaheim to get in those arenas, much less for the Final Four next weekend in Minnesota. Utilize Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. Our promo code is TJBasketball10. So wherever you're hearing us, that promo code is good. If you're looking for tickets for any of those regionals, any of those Elite Eight games, it's Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, the promo code TJBasketball10. With all of that out of the way, let's get to more conversations. Matt Zimmick, CBBToday.com coming up. Also, Mark Wise, my analyst on TuneIn and College Basketball Coast to Coast coming up. We know the Elite Eight. Let's get to the, the conversations as we continue. Stay with us here. Oh, we are rolling along, and we are down to the final eight teams left in this NCAA tournament. And after Sunday night, we will be down to the final four. Hard to believe that we are already almost there. It is college basketball coast-to-coast. He is back with me from cbbtoday.com. He is Matt Zimmick, and my goodness, my friend, we we saw two phenomenal endings on Friday night to fill out the Elite Eight with Duke and Kentucky barely surviving. Uh, Amazing. So we'll get to the Elite Eight games themselves. But first of all, as I welcome you in, wow, at the time that we're talking, we we are just off what were two fantastic finishes with Duke hanging on to beat Virginia Tech and Kentucky somehow uh, getting out of jail to basically come from behind in the final minute and beat Houston and snatch a Sweet 16 win away from the Cougars. Uh, Where do you want to begin? Wow. Well, I mean, you had Duke and then Kentucky going right down to the wire within about 10 minutes of each other. So that was certainly very intense. Uh, it's amazing that Duke, uh, once again, cutted out the final seconds with an opponent missing a shot at the rim. Now, of course, UCF's at the rim was for the win. Virginia Tech's miss at the rim was for a tie. Nevertheless, uh, to have that same basic scenario and to have the opponent miss at point-blank range. Boy, Coach K is living right. <laughs> and you, there are so many plays that we could go over at the end of that game, uh, but you got to give Virginia Tech a lot of credit. They were valiant at the end of it, and you also have to say this for Duke. Without Cam Reddish for the entire game, they gut it out. They're in some foul trouble. Zion Williamson makes some plays. Trey Jones makes a big shot. Uh, they did what they had to do. Um, credit credit Duke. But you, you wonder how many lives do they have left uh, with the way that this is working out. That's just one of my thoughts. And then we move on to Kentucky 
How did they reverse this? Because uh, Houston really uh, down the stretch, outplaying them, outscoring them. But it's a sixty, it's a forty-minute game. Excuse me, and they needed every one of those forty minutes because in the final minute, that's where they pulled it out. What happened for Kentucky was that you know, first off, Houston lost its composure a little bit. It was fifty-eight, fifty-five, Houston. Just under a minute left, and Houston fouls P.J. Washington in the act of shooting, and Washington gets the difficult uh, eight-foot hook to go down. Now, he missed the free throw, uh, but nevertheless, that, that gave Kentucky a, a boost. And then at, at, on the, after P.J. Washington blocked a shot, and this was, this was a process, there was a progression of sequences late in this game, T.J., where Houston made tough shots over Kentucky's length. Uh, one time P.J. Washington, another time over Reed Travis. And then on, that, on Houston's possession with roughly 40 seconds left, up by one, uh, Houston continued to challenge P.J. Washington. time Washington was really, he swatted the shot, and he, was, he swatted mm. the shot in classic Bill Russell style, the teammate, initiate a secondary break, and on that secondary fast break, Houston lost track of Tyler Hero, the one guy on Kentucky you simply cannot leave open from three-point range late in the game because he's going to hit the shot. He's been hitting those clutch buckets all year long, and sure enough, he hit it this time, and, that, and there's your game. Well, we were so curious as to whether P.J. Washington could play in the game. Not only did he play, he played brilliantly, as you mentioned, when they had to have it with the defensive play. And then you're right, hero, I mean, use all the puns. He was the hero, he was clutch, made the three, made the two late free throws. Again, it's a 40-minute game, and Kentucky needed the 40th minute to find a way. How about John Calipari now? Seven Elite Eights in 10 years at Kentucky. That is a remarkable uh, consistency and exactly what they were looking for when they hired him a decade ago. All right, so that, that fills things out. Uh, now I want your feelings as we go into the preview mode for Saturday and Sunday in this one. Let's start West Regional. We'll go in order Gonzaga, Texas Tech. We'll kind of go one by one with a quick take or thought from you about what you're looking for and what you think might happen. So Zags, Red Raiders for a Final Four spot, Matt Zimmick. So last year... Texas Tech was a three seed, got to the Elite Eight, and faced Villanova. And we remember that Villanova became a dominant force in last year's NCAA tournament. We entered last year's NCAA tournament wondering if there was a single dominant team. You know, though it seemed as though there was a lot of parity and that no, there was no clear team to emerge from the field. But then Villanova played six great games. So Texas Tech ran into a buzzsaw. So the question this year, is Gonzaga that buzzsaw? Or is Texas Tech, you know, having had that experience of the Elite Eight a year ago, is Texas Tech ready to thwart and disrupt Gonzaga and make Gonzaga play poorly? You know, it is a skill to make your opponent play poorly. And Gonzaga has an elite offense with so many different players who can score, so many different ways it can score from so many different spots on the court. So Texas Tech, after that clinic against Michigan, it's going to run up against a much better half-court offensive team in Gonzaga. Can Texas Tech muck this game up, make it ugly, bother Gonzaga at, at all spots on the court, 
That that is really the fundamental tension point in this game. If it's a pretty game, if it's a fluid game, it's a game Gonzaga is going to win and probably win handily. But if it's an ugly game, that's exactly where Chris Beard wants it. So that's the main tension point. Voice of Matt Zimmick with me from CBBToday.com. Love his insight. It is college basketball coast to coast. We are looking ahead to the Elite Eight. We did take a little look back to the end of the Sweet 16, looking ahead to the Elite Eight. And one more on Gonzaga. They are big. They are long. They are athletic. Uh, that front line gave uh, Florida State all kinds of problems with the game on the line down the stretch of the game. And credit credit to Mark Few with reloading two years after being in the Final Four with a different group of guys mostly. Perkins still there. Uh, Hachimura has played better. Just uh, you, let's see. Let's see if they can punch the ticket for Minneapolis again as the one seed in the West. The second game is Virginia and Purdue. Uh, we, you know, we got to do it justice and talk about Purdue, Tennessee, and what a great game that was Thursday night. And Purdue finds a way to pull it out in overtime. But now they've got an even bigger challenge. They got to get by the one seed who had to gut it out themselves in Louisville uh, to defeat Oregon. Somebody's going to the Final Four out of Matt Painter and Tony Bennett for the first time. So, Matt, say what you want to say about this matchup. Well, it's interesting that. Purdue as a third seed and a team which crashed out of the Big Ten tournament to Minnesota and carried no momentum into the NCAA tournament. Purdue is now the team with all the momentum. Purdue, you know, it almost lost Tennessee and and did have that nightmarish conclusion and was rescued by the bad foul call on uh, the three-point shot by Carson Edwards. But, you know, for most of that game, Purdue was clearly better than Tennessee. And that's not what we saw during the regular season. I mean, Tennessee looked much more like a final four contender for most of the regular season uh, compared to Purdue, uh, especially in non-conference play. You know, Purdue lost to Florida state, lost uh, several other games in non-conference play, whereas Tennessee smoked Gonzaga uh, in a neutral site game in Phoenix uh, a little bit after Thanksgiving. So, you know, Purdue has played its very best basketball in the NCAA tournament, and you can't say that for Virginia. Virginia has just gotten by. Virginia has survived, just managed to advance. That, that's really the best thing you can say about Virginia, just playing desperate defense when nothing else is going right. Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter are the team's two best players and two most reliable shooters and scorers, and they've both been bad as shooters. Now, of course, they, they've played defense. You know, you're always taught – don't let a bad offensive performance hijack your defense. And that's what Guy and Hunter have been able to do. And, you know, defense is why Virginia was able to, to win that game against Oregon uh, simply by shutting out the Ducks down the stretch. But you, you have to figure, TJ, that in this game, Virginia will need Guy and Hunter, at least one of the two, uh, to shoot really well. And uh, on the other side, Purdue's going to have to try to get another great game from its role player shooters, Ryan Klein was seven of ten mm. from three point range against Tennessee, twenty seven mm. points. That's a career night. Does he have another night left? If you know, if he comes back down to earth, let's say three of ten, and he scores twelve points, where where does Purdue find enough offense against Virginia's pack line defense to win that game? So it's a it's a question of is Purdue going to carry? It's momentum into and through this game with Virginia continuing to squeeze the ball a little too tightly and playing nervously on offense 
as it, as it has done in these first three games? Or are you going to see Virginia finally loosen up and flex its muscles at the offensive end of the court and play the game that it is capable of playing? That is, it's a fascinating set of contrasts in this game. And again, somebody gets to get in there. You've, you've mentioned previously here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, last time for Virginia is what? The Kingdom, Seattle, 1984 to be in a Final Four. And the last time for Purdue... Our colleague Mark Wise was an assistant for Lee Rose and the Joe Barry Carroll team 1980, 39 years ago. They were in the Final Four. Somebody gets to go out of that South Regional, and uh, you got to give the Boilermakers a lot of credit uh, for the way that they have shot the ball. Let's see if that continues against that Virginia defense. All right, so let's move to Sunday, Matt Zimmick. And again, a couple of moments left with you. It will start uh, with the Auburn showdown with Kentucky, the uh, the All SEC Midwest Regional Final, Auburn, uh, a quick thought on the way that they played against North Carolina, and now they get another crack at Kentucky, who got them earlier in the year. What what about uh, what about Auburn Kentucky here? You know, I see a lot of parallels with the setup for Purdue Virginia. If you think about it, that uh, Auburn is playing its very best basketball of the year, like Purdue. And in the higher seed, uh, you know, with with Kentucky here, uh, much like Virginia, you know, Kentucky has just managed to scrape by. You know, not overly impressive, but doing what it what it takes and playing tough enough defense in the final moments of games to win. So there are really some strong similarities there. The the thing that casts a shadow over this game is uh, the injury to Chumkeki. who was playing such brilliant basketball and was really the main reason Auburn took a big lead and ultimately beat North Carolina on Friday, that injury to Chuma, uh, you know, he's not going to play on Sunday. Uh, that is just an enormous loss. It's, it's, it's something that Auburn, Auburn had to have him on the floor to deal with Kentucky's low post strength. And so it's going to be very hard for Auburn uh, to, to cope with that. The, the Auburn's going to have to shoot the cover off the ball from three in order to win this game. And again, they have not been in the Elite Eight uh, now going back to the 1980s, only the second time ever. So let's see. Let's see what happens in this matchup with Kentucky that's obviously going to be favored uh, to be back in the Final Four. And then that leads us uh, to the final one of these and what should be a heavyweight fight. Only fitting it'll be the final game of the Elite Eight, and that is Duke and Michigan State. Michigan State really handled LSU on Friday night for much of that game. LSU did make a couple of scoring runs, including one late. But, man, Michigan State shot the ball well in Washington, D.C. to put the game away. And then Duke, survive and advance. They've done it two games in a row, and now here we go. We We suspected, I remember talking with you, uh, we've talked about it for a couple of weeks, that what in the world is Michigan State doing in Duke's bracket because that could be the Elite Eight game. It is the Elite Eight game, Matt Zimmick. Well, you know, I, I would, I would, if Duke, excuse me, if Michigan State was playing either Auburn or Kentucky or Texas Tech, maybe even Gonzaga and certainly Purdue or Virginia, if Michigan State was playing any of the six other teams in the elite eight, the way the Spartans are going right now and the way they looked against LSU, I'd pick Michigan state, but they happen to be up against Duke. So it just reinforces how horrible it was and is that Michigan state got stuck in this part of the bracket. That having been said, uh, you know, Cam Reddish did not play for Duke 
against Virginia Tech. So that that puts a question mark over the Blue Devils entering this game on Sunday. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there and talk about that. Coach K told CBS at halftime of the game that he didn't know that Cam Reddish was not going to play in the game until Friday night. He said Coach K coming off the court on Friday night and to the media in the press conference area, I don't know if he can play on Sunday. What is going on? We don't know. We're not doctors. We're not there. What's going on that a, a mysterious knee injury is so bad suddenly that a player that apparently participated in a practice or two leading up to this game, participated in the shoot-around on Friday, suddenly can't go. I mean, that's got a lot of people asking questions, Matt Zimmick. I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't know what to make of it either, and I really don't want to step in a pile of you-know-what, <laughs> uh, presuming that you know I have a read on this situation when it could be something Right, far removed from what any of us uh, can yeah. can understand or appreciate. Yeah, I don't know either, but it, it, I think we have to say going into the preview mode here, they've got to be ready to play without him because it's it's what it sounds like. He may, I mean, I don't know how you're. Is Mister Miyagi from the Karate Kid going to clap the hands and rub the knee like on Daniel Larusso and get him ready? I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. I didn't mean to sidetrack you though. So if Reddish is not there, what does it mean? What does it mean for this game and for Duke? Well, you know, we remember that in 2015 when Duke won it all, uh, you know, Grayson Allen played some key minutes off the bench in the national championship game against Wisconsin, but really the guy who consistently made the big shots and the big plays for that 2015 national champion was Tyus Jones. And now here you have Trey Jones on a night when uh, all other Duke players were, I believe, one of 13 from three, maybe one of 14. I know it was at least one of 13. Trey Jones steps in and a 25% three-point shooter over the course of a season for a bad three-point shooting Duke team. Trey Jones, five of seven. You know, these these Duke Joneses rise to the really big moment. And so he, he really becomes, without Reddish, you know, a, 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 even more of a focal point uh, for what Duke wants to do. Duke needs to have at least somebody it might not be Jones, but I think it's, mo- it's, it's most likely to be Jones. Duke needs one guy to be decent, if not great, from three-point range because if, if no one on Duke shows that he can make three-pointers in the first half, first 25, 30 minutes of this game, then Michigan State's going to be able to cheat more on defense, provide more help on R.J. Barrett and especially Zion Williamson and then the dynamics of, of this game can really change in ways that favor Michigan State. But if Duke gets a reasonably good, doesn't have to be transcendent, but just a reasonably good three-point outing from somebody on that roster, then that will rebalance the floor in ways that will help Duke, Duke's offense immeasurably. So, you know, I think entering the tournament, you know, before when, on Selection Sunday when the brackets were announced, uh, I think most people probably thought that Duke – uh, you know, that Michigan State might put up a fight, but that Duke was the heavy favorite in this region. I think as we arrive at this game on Sunday afternoon, right after the Sweet 16, I think the margin has, has narrowed considerably and that uh, this, this game is likely to be played on relatively even terms. Uh, but uh, when you consider that Duke has pulled through a couple of close mm. games, uh, mm. you know, that, that <laughs> has to make Duke feel confident that whenever the pressure's high, you know, those guys can pull through. So so I expect a, a close one throughout, 
Um, and but but Duke coming through that you know that has to fuel them uh, if if this game becomes close once again on Sunday afternoon. And a couple more quick points: Zion Williamson, amazing at both ends of the floor with block shots and high flying. I mean, he's the best player in the tournament, and he's on Duke. He's got the Superman cape. Is he going to be the ultimate difference in this one? Another point. Michigan State struggled in their opening round game with the 15 seed Bradley in the first half. They turned it on in the second half. I would argue, Matt Zimmick, that Michigan State has looked as good, if not the best, of any team, Sweet 16 are now left in the Elite Eight, in the next five halves of basketball. The second half of the of the Bradley game, the full Minnesota game, the full LSU game, they look fantastic. So let's see if they are peaking at the right time. Let's see if they capitalize. Let's see if they blow everyone in America's brackets up and knock and knock Duke out of the Final Four before they can get there uh, come, uh, come Sunday afternoon. I do know this, sir. We got to get a little bit of rest, and then we got to get ready for Gonzaga, Texas Tech on Saturday night. And again, you may be listening to us on Sunday and you already know the results, but at the time we're talking, it's the preview. Gonzaga, Texas Tech. And then the uh, the Saturday night showdown of Virginia and Purdue. Then we reload for the SEC in Kansas City, Auburn and Kentucky, and then a Titanic, a heavyweight Michigan State Duke. We got to get ready for this. The Elite Eight is here. We will know the Final Four soon. I, I can't wait, Matt. I know you the, you're the same way. I, I can't either. And just a final basic note on the Elite Eight: you have three members of the ruling class: Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State. They've all made at least nine Final Fours. All of their current head coaches have made at least six Final Fours individually. And then you have the underclass, Auburn, Virginia, Purdue, Texas Tech, Gonzaga. Those schools either have a maximum of one Final Four or, not both and, but or, uh, haven't made a Final Four since 1984 or earlier. So ruling class of three, underclass of five, that's your Elite Eight. Mm. And four of them will emerge uh, to go to Minneapolis. We'll find out what happens. Again, read this man, cbbtoday.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Zimmick. He's a great follow. We didn't even talk a lot of free throw awareness here when we very well could have. Like, for example, Tennessee is not playing uh, in the Elite Eight game, in part because they were 14 of 28 from the foul line. Yick. Uh, Duke, massive miss front end of the one and one by... Uh, Trey Jones, late in the game, could have killed him. He bricked a free throw on the front end of the one and one Kentucky seemingly made every important free throw in the comeback to beat Houston when they had to have it. So free throw awareness. It is still on for the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and we'll march on. We'll keep track of it. Matt, thank you. I appreciate you ponying up with me, hanging in here with me. Here we go with the Elite Eight. I thank you for the time. We'll be reading you as well on cbbtoday.com, sir. Let's close out March in style. I seem to say this year after year, it is the best event in sports and the Sweet 16, at least for three or four of the games, once again demonstrated it. Incredible drama for Duke and Kentucky. They're still alive. Let me call in my analyst. I love the insight of this man. He's been with me about 15 years now on all the national coverage, Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio, now as part of college basketball coast-to-coast and on TuneIn. We'll be live at the Final Four coming up with Mark Wise, who's a former Purdue assistant. The last time they were in the Final Four, Mark was on the staff, so we'll talk some about Purdue and Virginia in the preview mode. Mark, amazing. Uh, amazing stuff. And, and let's begin with Friday night, 
Duke, how many lives have they used up? Uh, incredible <laughs> again against Virginia Tech. And then Kentucky uh, escapes, if that's the right word. Down by three with a minute left. They find a way to win. What, what are your thoughts real quick before we start previewing Saturday and Sunday about Duke and Kentucky still being alive? Well, TJ, you know I'm an offensive guy. Uh, I like scoring. I, I think in order to advance in this tournament to make a, a deep run, you've got to have offense. But if I'm Mike Krzyzewski, the thing that bothered me in the Duke game, and I know R.J. Barrett was sensational in the second half. Uh, I know they caught a break at the end uh, with the uh, point second, point six second lob to finish the game. But I didn't think they had a presence defensively at all. I I thought Virginia Tech scored way too easy, way too often, and that's really what kept them around and and gave them the chance to win at the end. In terms of Kentucky, it was all about would he or wouldn't he. And P.J. Washington not only played, but as I said in the preview mode, he was the most serious mismatch for Houston uh, Houston's bigs, the the best thing they did all night was foul because they just had no answer on the other end. I thought Armani Brooks was sensational for Houston. Uh, another, it, it was just a, a great night of hoops, but the Blue, bu- Blue Bloods, both of them, survived. Oh, yes, they did. And, uh, and Washington with the big block, with the hoop at the other end, Tyler Hero with the big three, you just... You got it. You got to give it up to Kentucky for taking it away there in the final minute uh, to advance to the Elite Eight to play Auburn. We'll get into the preview mode more um, in a little bit, but again, great performance by Auburn, who you've seen some this year in your in your duties with ESPN and the SEC Network. Uh, they were tremendous on on Friday night. They got through Tennessee, however, against Purdue. Lots of missed free throws, lots of foul trouble, and Purdue found a way uh, to knock them out. Um, As well, Michigan State really handled LSU, save for a couple of scoring runs. Uh, Michigan State knocks out the SEC regular season champs. So just some quick overall thoughts on uh, Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, if you would, real quick. Well, Auburn, first of all, makes 17 threes. North Carolina made seven. That's a minus 30 in three-point differential for Carolina. You, you just cannot overcome that. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, you know what Auburn's going to give you, and you better be able to defend it. Um, Tennessee, first of all, let's, let's address the final uh, foul and regulation. No question, it's a foul. It's hip to hip. has nothing to do with Carson Edwards and his right foot, which – goes forward maybe slightly but you know i've been uh, a tennessee fan all season long but because of uh, not only covering them but just that they're an easy team to like but tennessee fans you, you need to get off that wagon because that was no question that was a foul and then lsu just fired blanks i mean smart uh, misses all his shots um, Skylar Mays doesn't make threes. Uh, Tremont Waters was really good. Nas Reed didn't play particularly well. And as a consequence, LSU went down. Oddly enough, the, the only thing that the SEC knows for sure, they're going to get one team in the final four. Very true. Kentucky and Auburn will be there. And give Michigan State a lot of credit. I know, uh, I know we're covering a lot of things rapid fire, but they got veteran players. We heard from them, uh, one of them yep. earlier in the show, Kenny Goins. With a 6-point, 11-rebound, 4-assist, 2-steal game, they were hard-nosed. Winston making big shots. 
Uh, Anthony Henry played well, the freshman. So Michigan State deserves a lot of credit. Now they get that humongous matchup with Duke, which will be the final game of the Elite Eight um, on Sunday. All right, so let's get into the matchups uh, for Saturday and Sunday. We have not asked you about Gonzaga or Texas Tech. They both obviously advance. Gonzaga knocking out Florida State in the West Regional and then Texas Tech and Michigan in a game that goes back to maybe the 60s or 70s with no shot clock, no three-point shot, just rugged defense, some bad offense, but Texas Tech found a way uh, and now one of these teams on the doorstep coming out of Anaheim to go to the Final Four. What, what about Gonzaga, Texas Tech, real quick? But these are polar opposites. No question about it. Texas Tech wants this game in the 60s. Gonzaga wants, wants this game in the 80s. I, I worry that if Texas Tech has the size up front uh, to match up with, with uh, Hachimura and Clark and Killian Tilly. You know, one of the things that is getting lost is Texas Tech they haven't even been pushed in this tournament yet. I mean, they, they won their opening round by 15. They smoked Buffalo by 20. They waxed Michigan by 19. I mean, they have steamrolled their way to the Elite Eight. Uh, I, I just think Gonzaga, as long as they stay focused and make sure that they have an inside presence, because sometimes the guards get three happy. Uh, so uh, just as long as those, those big guys inside, uh, they need touches. They need constant touches. Gonzaga will need to establish block to block down in that high rent district early in this game. All right. So, again, that's the first one up on Saturday. And depending on when you're listening to us, you may already know the results. We don't know the Saturday results in the preview mode. And we're also going to be previewing Sunday as well here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And Mark Wise does such a great job uh, with me. And, again, Gonzaga looking to get back to the Final Four uh, for the, the the second time in what would be three seasons, they were there in in, uh, in Arizona back a couple of years ago. What a job Mark Few has done! Texas Tech trying to get in there for the first time uh, for the Red Raiders. Let's see what Chris Beard and his club uh, can do. Virginia and Purdue is the late game coming in Louisville. Virginia trying to get into the Final Four for the first time since 1984. As we mentioned, Mark Wise was on the staff the last time uh, Purdue was there. 1980. You want to make mention, too, for all the assistant coaches uh, you know, all over college basketball, that the last time Purdue was in the Final Four, you and one of your colleagues uh, might have had a few more duties than the, uh, than the current coaching staffs. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff Meyer and I, back in the day, when, when we were on the staff at Purdue that was lucky enough to go to the Final Four, we were the, we were the volunteer assistants, the grad assistants, the student assistants, the player development guy, the video guy, the director of ops, all those guys that are about eight different jobs right now. That was Jeff Meyer and I back way back, way back in 1980 when, you know, we went to the Final Four, and of all things, the, the, kind of stick with me in that experience you know you have this uh, uh uh this kind of sexy feeling about the final four and where is the final four and when you get to the final four there's going to be all this fanfare we bust <laughs> to the final four we bust because the the final four was in indianapolis it was 60 miles away come on yeah it was west lafayette via the bus route way back when but they're on the doorstep 
Uh, you mentioned Carson Edwards has been fantastic. Anytime right. that you're compared to the name Steph Curry, who's the last guy right. to have four straight NCAA tournament games with at least 25 points, that's what Carson Edwards has going back to last year, four straight 25-point games. That's good company. I don't know they can expect Klein, Ryan Klein, to make those three-pointers right. the same way, the same volume, but man, they've looked fantastic against Villanova and Tennessee, and now... Uh, they they have Virginia in their way who can guard, who can also shoot the three. Quick thoughts here, Mark. Well, Ryan Klein, um, you know, what a what a performance! I mean, uh, we've seen this in other sports um, when, when a golfer gets into the zone and they're just sticking flag after flag. I, I thought Ryan Klein, his shots that were going in were tough shots. They were late shots. They were always when Purdue needed a shot. They were always when Purdue was actually behind in the game. And I got to tell you, TJ, these shots, they're not hitting, they're not rattling the rim and falling through. These are all center cut, yep. nothing but net shots. Now, the, one, of the thing, one of the things that he will have to deal with, Virginia is much longer, much bigger on the perimeter than is Tennessee. So Klein will probably have a harder time getting good looks against the Virginia defense, which we know all about. Well, and Virginia has struggled. I mean, they struggled to put Oregon away in, in this same building late Thursday night. Let's see if they can follow through and make it as a one seed or not against Purdue. A few more moments with Mark Wise. Love his insight. Again, he'll be with me uh, not only on College Basketball Coast to Coast recapping the Elite Eight and previewing the Final Four. We'll be live in Minneapolis next weekend right here as part of this podcast and live coverage on TuneIn. Look forward to that. Okay, we advance to Sunday. Again, a couple of qualifiers. We don't know the injury situation on Sunday, but the we're going to go educated speculation here on two of them. Okiki, the Auburn big man, injured knee. We don't believe he can play. Bruce Pearl was certainly emotional after the game, after the win on Friday night over North Carolina. So now Auburn will line up against Kentucky without him. What does that absence mean, and what does this game come down to against against opponents that are familiar with each other out of the SEC, Mark? Well, it's odd, isn't it, that the shoe is on the other foot because we talked all week in preview mode whether or not P.J. Washington would play for Kentucky. And so we now know the answer to that, and we know how effective he was uh, in the Sweet 16. The bottom line, TJ, is Auburn, um, unless they do something ridiculous like 17 threes again, which they're more than capable of doing, I just don't see how they can beat Kentucky without Okiki. He represents a mismatch on the perimeter with his ability to go into the block and score and step out and make shots. He, he, he runs not, on, not only a stretch four at times, but he can be the stretch five. Uh, so from from that standpoint, uh, this will become even a more perimeter-oriented uh, Auburn team. Kentucky has done a really good job the last couple of games in guarding the arc in terms of Wofford and Houston, and I would expect more of the same. They are familiar with Auburn. They know how quick the shots will come. Uh, they know that Auburn will take a number of bad three-point shots. So uh, from that standpoint, I think everything is pointing we're big blue getting to Minneapolis. We'll see if that is the case. Again, John Calipari has had them on this doorstep seven times now in his 10 years at Kentucky and obviously a national championship in 2012 in New Orleans with Kentucky. 
Uh, they are the favorites. Again, when Auburn won the SEC tournament, they did not play Kentucky. Tennessee had beaten Kentucky in the semifinal. Auburn beat Tennessee in the championship game. For what that's worth, let's see what happens in that matchup uh, Sunday afternoon. The late game will come in Washington, D.C. with the Duke. Main event. Uh, yes. The main yes. Event. Duke and Michigan State. So in the preview mode, Mark Wise, give me a couple things to watch for for a ticket to the Final Four. Well, can Michigan State somehow uh, corral Zion uh, Williamson? That's the very first question. You know, an, an, another point I wanted to make about this matchup, everybody talks, and I did too last week when the uh, uh, selection Sunday was held and the, and the brackets came out of how unfair it was yep. that Michigan State was put in the Duke bracket. But guess what? It's unfair to Duke too to have to go through the best number two seed to get to the final four. Um, again, uh, it, it, I think what's going to be interesting is to see what tweaks Tom Izzo might employ from the UCF scheming of guarding Duke. Um, we don't know whether or not Cam Reddish is going to play, and that will most likely play a role in this as well. I mean, no question Duke was not the same offensive juggernaut against Virginia Tech that they have been earlier in the year. So from that standpoint, I think this is going to be one of those uh, coaching matchups that you're going to like to watch. Yeah, well, we'll see if Reddish can play. We, we've already discussed here with Matt Zimmick earlier on the podcast, very strange when Coach K said to CBS on the game broadcast Friday night that he didn't know until Friday night that there was a problem significant enough that Reddish couldn't play. That's strange. Right. He said after the game, we're not sure if he can play. Again, you may be listening to us, and you already know that they've announced he is playing, he's not playing. At the time, Mark and I are taping this preview we don't know what the status is of the fantastic freshman, and it's obviously uh, it's a blow offensively and and in terms of length and rebounding. If he can't play, Zion Williamson has been amazing. How many lives does Duke have? Uh, we will find out. So again, those are the four matchups from Anaheim to Louisville to Kansas City and culminating with Washington, D.C. for four spots in the Final Four. Mark, I'll give you the floor one more time with anything else you want to say that we haven't covered as of yet. Anything else you want to point out as we get ready to see who ends up in the Final Four. Anything else, sir? Well, here's what we know that we're going to get in the Final Four. We're going to get a team from the Big 12 or Gonzaga. Uh, we know we're going to get a really feel-good story from either Virginia, Purdue, who haven't been there in such a long time. We know we're going to get an SEC team because of the matchup from between Kentucky and Auburn. And lastly, the heavyweight division of the coaches in terms of their matchups in this uh, Elite Eight, we know we're going to see Tom Izzo or Mike Krzyzewski. And all of those things, all four of those things, are the beauty of college basketball. Oh, yeah. And we've seen dramatic finish after dramatic finish. Let's see if we have a buzzer beater. I I don't know how much Duke fans can take. I've been in touch with several of them in the last 16, 18 hours. They haven't even gotten to Minneapolis yet. And I don't know how much more they can take with the finishes against UCF and Virginia Tech. Let's see if we have another great one uh, in store here for this matchup with Michigan State. Mark, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. We will see how these games play out. I look forward to telling you and talking to you about the Final Four when we come off the weekend and we know those four teams that will be playing each other in Minneapolis. Thank you for the time here in the preview mode for the Elite Eight. Thanks, TJ.
And there you go. We now know the eight teams vying for the four spots in Minneapolis and U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings football stadium that will house the final four for 2019. Once again on the slate, and you may be hearing us again, and you already know the Saturday outcomes. We're in the preview mode for Saturday and Sunday, so we don't know the Saturday winners, much less the Sunday winners. Again, up first, it's Gonzaga and Texas Tech for a spot in the Final Four out of the West Regional. Gonzaga looking to be there for the second time in three years. Texas Tech has never been to a Final Four for Chris Beard in his third season. They're trying to get there out of the Big 12. Virginia has not been since 1984. The top seeds under uh, Tony Bennett. We'll take on Purdue, who's not been there, as Mark Wise was saying, since 1980, and Joe Barry Carroll in Indianapolis. That's what's on the line for Virginia and Purdue in Louisville. Somebody goes to the Final Four in Minnesota. Then on Sunday, up first, it is Kentucky and Auburn. Auburn has never been. Kentucky there repeatedly uh, in the Final Four. Big Blue last there in 2014. In the Final Four under John Calipari, won the title in 2012 with Calipari at the helm of the Wildcats. Let's see what happens with Kentucky and Auburn up first. That matchup in Kansas City. And again, it will be Duke and Michigan State. Duke looking for a national title for Coach K. It would be his sixth national title. They were last in the Final Four in 2015. And Tom Izzo, 2000 National Championship, Final Four over and over again for the Michigan State Spartans. Can Sparty get there one more time against Duke? East Regional Final. How many lives does Duke have left if it's a close game? Will Michigan State be the ones to finally knock them off? Uh, We know this. If Michigan State gets a last-second shot at the rim and it doesn't go in after what happened with UCF and Virginia Tech, if a last-second shot rolls off the rim again, it is confirmed here on College Basketball Coast to Coast that Coach Mike Krzyzewski has done a deal with the Duke Blue Devils somewhere, somehow, some way to keep those those last-second tip-ins, layups from rolling in. Let's see if it comes down to it. It may be a very close game. Maybe Michigan State wins, or maybe Duke pulls it out again. That's what we're about to find out. We're looking forward to these games coming up. Again, we're in the preview mode. You may already know the Saturday results. If you're listening on Sunday, look forward to those Kentucky, Auburn, and Duke, Michigan State games. We will know the Final Four on Monday. We'll come back on Monday recapping everything that happens from Anaheim to Louisville to Kansas City to Washington, D.C. We're anxious to talk all about it. My thanks to Ari Russell, doing a great job. He'll still be covering the East Regional Final, Duke and Michigan State in Washington, D.C. My thanks to Matt Zimmick. Read him, cbbtoday.com. Does a great job, obviously, writing and also with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And my thanks also to Mark Wise one more time, hopping on with me in the preview mode for the Elite Eight. Let's throw that ball up and see what happens. Four spots in the final four up for grabs. We've been previewing it as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Again, however you found us, Spreaker.com and the Spreaker uh, mobile app and their service, cbbtoday.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Go find College Basketball Coast to Coast and subscribe. This podcast will also be live in Minneapolis. We'll be doing live coverage in Minneapolis next weekend. You want to subscribe because the show comes automatically to you. Let's get ready for the Elite Eight. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games, and thank you for being with us. Spread the word. As we march on to the Final Four, it's college basketball coast to coast.